When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I love that song. I miss the other one, man, but I love that song, Monsters and Heroes. Hi, everybody. Ron Onesti here on Artists on Lockdown, hanging on, hanging and banging our 46th week that we've been rocking and rolling. This is really, really something. I am here at Rock and Roll Heaven right outside of Chicago, St. Charles, Illinois, at the beautiful Arcata Theater. And tonight is just another incredible night. But I got to tell you, the the call, the, the, the demand for this show has been incredible. Tonight, we have very special guests. Weird Al Yankovic, and of course, Rick Derringer. And before I bring those guys on, I'm going to bring my brothers to the microphone. First, my, I don't even, I got to see exactly when his birthday is, because sometimes I call him my, my fraternal brother, my young brother, my little brother. Uh, where he had Vinny Atmosy from Dio, Black Sabbath, and uh, and something else he's doing right now. What, what are you doing? Going over one of those uh, uh, extensive contracts oh, you have with the last in line? <laughs> this is Carmine's company, the statement for, for the $8. With, I think the check's it's, in there too. It's working out well being uh, being the brother. Of yeah, being the brother right? of the legendary Carmine. I mean him. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> he's the brother of that, legendary. That's right. I like that. So, Ron, you're yeah. looking pretty uh, good over there. I'm trying to make this. I'm a collegiate this week. I didn't have the rock and roll T-shirt on. Didn't have the suit on. I didn't know what to do. You totally confused me last <laughs> week. You showed up in, in a Godfather fedora, a black and white suit, a white shirt that I'm sure you had to borrow from no, somebody. No, it's been in the closet for years. <laughs> I mean, you don't own a white there's shirt. Two white, there's two white shirts up. in there, and they've been in there for years. Was that was that from your serving days at a I don't restaurant? Yeah, when the, I was a waiter. <laughs> a waiter, Drummond's the waiter. No, I don't even know Speaking of- why they're in there. Matter of fact, I think I'll throw them out along with this statement. <laughs> now, what year are you born? Uh, nineteen sixty. Okay, so you so you are older than I. I'm sixty two, and I I keep wanting to call you my little brother because you're the uh-huh. little brother, but you're older than you're I. You're sixty two years old. I look yeah, good. You look pretty I? good. <laughs> Hey, speaking of, well, I don't want to say that, but let's bring our older brother uh, to the screen. Uh, you know him from, my gosh, Vanilla Fudge, but so many other things. There, there, look at this guy. Uh, happy birthday, Karma. You get, give me a chance here. Hey. Hey, Carmanucci. <laughs> uh, Good to see you, brother. How you doing? So, so what is your birthday here? Yeah, that was, that was from my 60th birthday party that we did in New York. 20 years ago. Really? Yeah. yeah, that was during the 14, riots in '69, wasn't it? Fourteen years ago. <laughs> oh, See, it was a little—it's a little cup holder thing, you know. So That's I have it beautiful. on my desk here. Yeah. So you guys doing good this week, huh? Been rocking and rolling all week. Yeah, yeah, been doing really good. 
Vin, what is that behind you? I can't see this. Sawtooth. That's my drums. Oh, there it is. I can't, there it is. Like a there sawtooth. A whole yeah. room back hey, here. Vinny, Vinny forgot to tell you, those white shirts are for weddings and funerals. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which are one and the same for many people. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> after you, you got married, there's a funeral. Hey. Yeah. Listen, I we could I, we could small talk all night, but we just can't do that today, guys. <laughs> we just can't. This is a big ass show we got tonight, yeah, man. man. I am so so excited. <laughs> so um, these two guys, you know, you would you think about the two names, you may or may not think of them in the same context, a couple different genres and everything, but they are really really connected. A little bit at the hip, actually. So we're going to find out all about that and some other great stories. Let's bring our first guest. Uh, you know, he's like Madonna now because I don't even know why he uses the Yankovic part. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't know why. It's, it's extra letters and promoters like me, we got to pay by the letter sometimes in print. So I wish you would just go by our good friend, Weird Al. Yeah, Come hey. on, the screen. There you go. That's a good point. You know, that. There's so, there's there's only a handful of people you know just by the first name. There's Cher, there's Bono, Beyonce, Al. I mean, I what can I say? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would go with just weird and not the L. That, but that was, that's that's what I, I was going to say. Can we call you weird for short? Sure? I, I don't think I don't think you're quite on a first adjective basis yet. So let's just work out to that. <laughs> first adjective basis. I mean, you know, I, I can't even say it because. You grow up, and and you, you, who aspires to be called like Weird Ron or Weird? Well, nobody Vinny Weird Ron. Weird. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't <laughs> work. That doesn't work at all. No, no. It doesn't scan. It doesn't but, work. But is that something you're like? I mean, it's it's hard to say. Yeah, I'm proud of that. Call me Weird. Well, well that was a, <laughs> that was like a life's dream <laughs> of mine. That was just sort of an accident that became a career. You know, uh, they, they started calling me Weird Al in the dorms in college, and it was not meant as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that. That's what I'm saying. It's, I would think you'd have to go to therapy right. from that. So, so I'm working that. my whole career just me working through the pain. <laughs> hey, there's nobody else called weird, right, in, in the business? As far as I know. No. Not to their face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Hey, uh, we got, you know, again, as I, as I mentioned before uh, uh, in the intro here, you know, we're, we've, our next guest um you know, if you don't know the history, you don't know some of the background, I don't know that you would think of Weird Al and Rick Derringer in the same sentence, but there's so much connecting you two, and we're really excited to have him on. Let's bring our buddy, the legend himself, Mr. Rick, Rick. Derringer. Hey! Hey, Rick hey isn't that... I just come on. have one question, uh, and that is when you did the intro, you said Weird Al Yankovic and, of course, Rick Derringer. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. that. And then, that and it just goes without saying. Like, well, Rick's on every show. Was... Like, of course Rick's here. <laughs> of course. I meant... <clears throat> Rick, you, you, you called me out on it. Because that's why I was doing this back... I was actually backpedaling just now. Because I heard myself say that. Why would you he say, of course? He screwed it up. He screwed thinking, it up. I screwed it up because I got to try to... Keep I, think, I think every intro so... should be, end of course, Rick Derringer. <laughs> yeah. He almost called, he almost called I... him Weird Rick. <laughs> Weird Rick. And, and, and of course, Jenna. Hi. They're joined at the hip like Siamese twins, you said. So oh, that's why I know. That's an insult uh, you know to Siamese twins. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? Let's take two, the whole thing. Let's just start the whole okay, thing. Okay, here we go. Do it again. Okay, there we go. And, take and two. go. Oh, and go. Yeah, go, 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 go. Uh, it's, of course, it's Weird hey! This guy, Rick. <laughs> So how are you guys, uh, uh, Rick, what you've been doing since co the COVID? You've been producing? You know, what you been doing? I'd rather not talk about COVID. Uh, but yep. I, I just, for 55 years, for 54 years, I toured all year, basically, except when mm -hmm. I was working without. Sure. <laughs> right. Those few months at a time, I would be in the studio. But this COVID thing brought in the first <laughs> year ever where I didn't tour. I didn't have a year of touring. And I thought I'd go crazy. I said, this is going to be like, ah, what am I going to do? And about halfway through the year, I went, you know, this retirement thing is pretty good. <laughs> no, 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 it's terrible. Don't do it. We'll miss you, us guys. We'll miss you uh, in our theaters. Yeah, yeah we're all... Wow. 
How about you, Al? What you been up to, man? Uh, you know, uh, 2020 was supposed to be my year off, so it kind of worked out for me. It was like, it became the mandatory year <laughs> off. Uh, yeah, but right. it was sort of, sort of like, cause I, I learned, uh, Rick, I guess you don't have the problem. <clears throat> for me, if, if, I, if I tour three years in a row, the third year, people are like, yeah, we've seen this already. And you kind of want to leave, want them leave, uh, leave them wanting sure. a little bit more. So usually like I tour for two years and the third year is sort of like let the grounds lay fallow and let people, you know, miss you a little bit. So that was 2020, but we were supposed to be touring this year. In fact, uh, we, we were supposed to be touring starting in February. Um, uh, and that obviously didn't happen. And then the, now the push tour, then the tour got pushed to uh, fall this year. Yeah. And we figured that's probably, that's kind of getting a little close maybe. So now tentatively we're starting like spring of 2022. So we're hoping the world is back to some bit of normalcy <laughs> by that point. I, right. So that's like, that's, I love that's when literally you, when you tour. Oh, go ahead, Rick. I'm sorry. I, I love when Al tours because then people go out and buy his records again. <laughs> yeah. For my yep. pocketbook. There you go. <laughs> so, so let's put that connection together for the for the like two or three people that don't know how you were his first producer or, or produced his first album and involved with Eat It and and uh, and uh, Who's Fat and all that connection yeah, for there. six well, albums. I, I, for yes, six, six albums, albums, right? I was uh, working. Um, with a, and uh, he was like my manager. Jake Hooker was this guy's name. Was he not and your he, manager? <laughs> well, he was. I tell everybody man. he's your manager. He, he was, was your manager. manager. He was your manager. But, uh, he co-wrote "I Love Rock and Roll." Now, when a parody artist wants to collect some of the royalties for rewriting those lyrics, he has to go to the original writer and say, "Hey." I've rewritten your lyrics. It's a fool for me to share your royalties. In this case, he had to go to Jake Hooker because he had then written I Love Rock and Road. So <laughs> Jake, Jake Hooker called me up and said, well, what do you think? I got this guy, and then he came in, and he brought this song. And, and uh, Come on. You got to get And uh, so... My my folks, when I was growing up, they had a great record collection that included a lot of Spike Jones. Oh, yeah. And, Love Spike. Uh, uh, people that you would call parody artists, I guess. And even as a kid, I realized, you know what? These guys, when they're very popular, they don't have competition. There's not like a ton of them on the label, you know, on the charts at the same time. There's only one of those kind of guys. I said, does Al have any more songs like this? And uh, the answer I got back was, yeah, he has tons of them. <laughs> so I said, let's go. Let's make just do a single. What is this guy doing a single for? Let's do a whole album. And I went ahead and, and got a studio in L.A. to say, bring him on in. And we went ahead and made his first album without a record company because I believed in him that much. But that's crazy. And you used my bass drum. Yeah, there you That's go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Remember that. Yeah. And so anyway, then uh, the rest was history. We were just yeah, like I supposed in my mind. Uh, Al was successful right out of the box. And uh, what, was, everything what was the first song? What was the first song released? Uh, well, the, the, the first, I mean, uh, I Love Rocky Road is how it got started. The, the first single from the album, I think, was Ricky, which was the parody of Mickey yeah, Ricky, by Tony Ricky, Basil. Yeah, yeah. Ah, about Ricky so, Ricardo. Hey, Ricky. Hey, Ricky. Hey, Lucy. Right. <laughs> Uh, but what label was signed? That did you sign to? It was it was Scotty Brothers. Although we were uh, an imprint of Scotty Brothers called Rock and Roll, which was Tad Dowd's label. He was sort of like the cheerleader for us. Uh, like, yeah, you got to sign this guy, this accordion guy, Weird Al. Yeah, he's great. And I can tell you a little bit about that Scotty Brothers story. Uh, the Scotty Brothers were famous as uh, promoters, record promoters, independent record promoters out in the United States. And one of the stories I like is. The secretary downstairs below the studio, the radio studio, she um, admitted the Scotty brothers to go up and see the program director. And while he was in the office with the program director, she heard a commotion. And a few minutes later, she saw the Scotty brothers carrying the program director out with a broken leg. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so I said, wow. These guys, Scotty Brothers, they've got a reputation. They'll probably cheat the crap out of us, but we can depend on having hits. 
<laughs> yes, I, I will. Wow. I, I've heard stories like that. I will say they never broke my legs. So I just want to put that out there. That's important. That's really important. I mean, that's really you better use how, the you know, word now hits like quietly yeah. with those guys. <laughs> but well, you know, these, uh, let's do it. Let's go with the Scotty brothers, man. And that's the thing, because now, obviously, everyone's doing their own thing and, and it's all social media. But uh, uh, you doing it, going circumventing the whole um, record label process at that time, that's pretty bold move. It was. Yeah. It was a very bold move. But other people believed in him, too, when I brought it. Uh, in, Especially an unproven. When I brought something unproven like this. When I brought the idea into the uh, recording studio that we used. It was Cherokee. Cherokee, Cherokee Studios in Hollywood, yeah. Cherokee, yeah. Cherokee, yeah. Cherokee, yeah. They also believed, they said, this sounds like a good idea, let's go. They, they want to make an... So, uh, Al, <laughs> they got a nice cut I mean, of the first three albums, I think, for letting us do the first one of spec. <laughs> but, Al, you know, you got Rick Derringer, just a rock and roll freaking maniac, and he's believing in you, and, and Scotty Brothers is going on, and you're, you're there, you know, you got that, you got that, that, that afro going, and you got... And, and you got an accordion hanging from your neck. And are you thinking like, holy crap, what the heck's happening to it, me? It was, it was like rock and roll fantasy camp. The whole thing was just surrealistic right. for me. Because, I mean, I literally was like a couple of years out of college. At the most, I was working minimum wage at a day job. And I, I'm working with you know, rock god Rick Derringer. And I'm in the studio. And I'm doing my first album. And it just didn't seem real. <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't, really, I didn't really have a life plan. I didn't really think I'm, you know, I'm going to be in show business the rest of my life. I just was like... Uh, let's try this. Let's <laughs> let's see if this works. Uh, but it, it was just amazing. I, I just the first album, Rick. You'll back me up on this. I'm sure we recorded it very quickly. Uh, I don't, and I'm not sure why because we were getting the studio time for free. It was still on spec. But I remember we got through like ten basic tracks in like three hours. We just like we zoomed through it. It was like ah, oh, that one was a little fast. It, it's fine. Let's keep going. Let's move on. <laughs> it was back great though. I believe uh, we use that little fast kind of as a formula a little bit. We take the original song right. and just a little fast. We, well, that, that's sort of like the, the formula. Like anything that sounds good, make it a little bit faster. Because of comedy, you don't want it to like, you want it to be just a little, have a little bit more energy, almost imperceptible. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, I've been very, I've been very fortunate. Uh, uh, Rick's played at my place at the, the Arcata Theater several times, several incarnations, and uh, and I also had the privilege of having Al at my place, uh, a production, uh, a, a incredible fantasy uh, video wall. I mean, it's an incredible production. He's one of the nicest guys, uh, Weird Al. I mean, he really is very. But if if there's one little thing wrong with the production, he kind of gets. Uh, well, we had a little issue. Um, I don't know. Uh, ben, do you have that picture from the show? There. There's the picture from the show <laughs> when he was driving in St. Charles. There was one little thing off. I think uh, his, his uh, didn't get the green m and I, I like things to be right. We have a writer for a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. You got to read it. Just <laughs> got to really, make sure the, all the M&Ms are there. The, yeah. it's, uh, and speaking of M&Ms, uh, do you know what I mean? Al, do, you, do you know what I mean? I, I think so. I, you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You <laughs> know what I'm saying? I love that. I love that. Anyway, that's from his Weird Al TV show that you would do all these parodies on a television thing. How did that all happen when you decided to go from music to TV? Well, that was just MTV. I mean, you know, they... they uh... They played me early, early on. I, th I think my videos were the very first comedy videos ever played on MTV. <clears throat> and early on, I mean, you know, MTV got very, very corporate very quickly. But in the early guerrilla days, I mean, it was sort of like anything goes. It was fun to watch because you really got the sense that, you know, even though it was a national, uh, uh, you know, it, it went out nationally, it felt very much like local, you know, public access TV. It just felt like anything right. can happen. And they would, I mean, they literally said, oh, uh, it's April Fool's Day. Uh, uh, you can have the channel for four hours. Do anything you want. We don't care. Here, go now. And it's like they gave you complete freedom to do anything you wanted. <laughs> so I, I took advantage of that and did some really crazy stuff. We did that show. Uh, remember Al? On Al TV? Blue Murder. Blue Murder. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, we did that show. And uh, it was kind of crazy because, uh, you know, we, we watched the show and we go, Sure, we deserved it to be on this show, it's like a comedy show, <laughs> you know. But it, 
it was great. And we actually prepared for it. And we we were supposed to be playing live. So we did live vocals and we re-recorded the tracks. And then we actually learned the tracks that we re-recorded. <laughs> so it looked like we were really playing it. <laughs> so if to this day, people see it on YouTube. They, they think we played live on your show. <laughs> where we, all we have was live vocals. <laughs> You, you, it's, it's really you're pulling back the stuff. curtain now i mean you, people shouldn't know this stuff <laughs> yeah that's uh that's secrets. secrets hey they, they did that when i did shindig all the way back in <laughs> oh, wow. 60. wow i did shindig they recorded, too <laughs> they, they recorded hang on snoopy the night before in the studio where the tv show was done but they recorded it and then you came in the next day and pantomimed to a live recording yeah, that you would yeah. Previous night. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, since we're going back to the, the origins <laughs> there, Rick, I mean, you're 17 years old. You've got, you know, one, you got the number one song in the nation comes out. And you probably didn't even realize, you didn't realize the whole thing was happening. And the ironic thing is, they're looking for a band to kind of, kind of emulate the Beatles. It was kind of like the structure they're looking for. You come on and do this. And ironically, knock the Beatles out of number one. Well, they were looking for four young guys who were really talented, who were really naive, and they can really take advantage of us. So that's, that's the yeah. complete real That's how it turned out. That's the dream. <laughs> that's the dream right there, boy. And how did that, uh, but you're 17, and all of a sudden you're slapped in the face with the number one song, we were, in the country. we were number one while yesterday by the Beatles was number two. We were wow. in the same league with the Beatles. We did the whole Rolling Stones first tour in the United States um, on the plane with them. We toured the whole United States with the Rolling Stones. And we were, you know, the people who we'd walk out of a radio station and there'd be hundreds of girls out there pulling our clothes. And, and it, we were, we did it. And then when I went and played with Ringo uh, as part of the all-star band, people say, now you know what it's like to be a Beatle. I went, I, what do you mean? <laughs> I, I knew what it was like to be a Beatle when I was a Beatle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. It's funny. You know, Maybe. we do a lot of, obviously, we're all into our rock and roll. People know me from the rock and roll that I do and you guys with rock and roll. Little known fact about me, Al, I am a huge Dick Contino. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> huge. I can tell by the way you, you carried yourself. It's obvious. Uh, Lady of Spain, come on. I love that. Now, have, have you so, seen some of Dick Contino's like, album covers? I, I love these. If, if you go back. With the chest? The, well, the, I mean, half of his album <laughs> covers, he was there with the accordion, and he's got like beautiful woman draped on his arms and legs. like He's like an accordion sex symbol, <laughs> which there hasn't been a, another one until. I came around, of course, but <laughs> but no, it, it just he just showed that the accordion is just back then was like a very hip kind of sexy instrument, apparently. And no, I, I would have stories with them. I, I use them a hundred times. They would talk about it that he was he, he would compare like you know as Rick was saying that's what brought it to my mind. You're talking about being uh, kind of on the same plane at the same time with the Beatles. He would talk in depth about being on the same plane with Elvis. And that he was the Elvis and Tom oh, Jones. Totally. Uh, you know, that's how we, I mean, I'm just telling you, that's what he would say, God rest his yeah. soul, right? But what made you, I mean, okay, so again, you've got the accordion hanging from you. Matter of fact, I think, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Al, it's either today or yesterday, 40th anniversary of you being on your first TV show with, was it Tom Right, Tom Snyder, Snyder that was it, 40 years ago uh, yesterday, yeah. Uh, first ever national TV appearance, and that another one rides the bus was like our only hit at the time, and it was me playing the accordion on my drummer, the the guy John Bermuda Schwartz, who is still my drummer to this very day. He was banging on my accordion case for percussion, and that was our first. <laughs> yep. And we were on the the show with two other people that did like novelty music. I mean, it wasn't like you know uh, on our show tonight. It's Weird Al Yankovic. It was like we got three crazy nutty kids who think they're funny, and here's their songs, <laughs> and it was just. And that was that was it. That was it. But if you look at this, and I, and I really encourage everybody to, to, to Google this, uh, because it's really something to see. I mean, you look at, again, your production value now is uh, off the charts, right? And you look at that, that it's such a Spike Jones 
college kid trying to do his best kind well, of Well, it was punk rock is what it was. It was punk rock with an accordion. I don't know. <laughs> okay, but. accordion punk rock. I'll give you that. And I'll you think his uh, productions are meticulous. You should see his Christmas cards. <laughs> really? Uh, Rick, Rick's on the Christmas card. Right. It's a, a little, yeah, little Photoshop going on usually. Yeah, one of my favorites was the one where you and your family are riding on the huge bee. You're actually oh yeah, yes, the bee, a bee. Like, and, yeah, that, that the, was that was Bee Mary, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, uh, the definition you can see every little hair on the bee's legs and stuff. It was incredible. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I photographed that bee myself and then downloaded oh, it from oh, the internet. Who's that? Oh, oh, hello. Hi there. Hi there. It's Elsa. Hey, Elsa. Say hello, everyone. Elsa. Say hello. Elsa. Hi, Elsa. I loved you in Frozen. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you That's why she got her name. the biggest role ever. Glad <laughs> to be here. <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to thank all the people I've pissed on the way up. <laughs> so uh, anyway, anyway, Rick, uh, you know uh, we're also big fans. Garage Rock. It's hard to to imagine. You know, I think of Garage Rock and I think of the Ides of March, Buckingham's New Colony Six, uh, Crying Shames, Shadows of Night. That kind of Garage Rock feel. And you were, you know, the McCoys are put into that realm at the beginning. And to go from Garage Rock, Hang on, Sloopy. The rock and roll hoochie coup. It's almost like two different people. Oh, the the whole uh, when I played with Johnny Winter, that was the the big booster in my life. The McCoys were getting known as what they used to call bubble gum music, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. and we, we looked at ourselves as good musicians. So that was the worst thing people could say about us, and it really made us feel terrible. So when we finally got the opportunity to join Johnny Winter. The term Johnny Winter and, which was the name of the first band, just was simply Johnny Winter and the McCoys. But they were ashamed to say the McCoys. <laughs> so they said, All right. let's just shorten it to Johnny Winter and. But that was the, the wow. real. Wow. The, oh, wow. It brought me into the world of uh, somehow people, legitimacy. Legitimacy. And then we, and, <laughs> That's and then right. We did a lot of gigs with you, Rick, with Johnny Winter and with Cactus. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. And I never knew with the end. I just met you know, Johnny Winter and his band, but I never knew that. I realized it was all the McCoy. Randy and the band Hodge. that shall not be named. He was in the McCoys. Yeah. And Voldemort. Voldemort. Randy Hobbs was in the McCoys. Yes. No, yeah. I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah, he was the bass player in the McCoys. We sang, we, you know, well, hey, hang on, Sleepy. We were known for vocals, I guess. But um, Randy was a good singer, as well as one of the and, best. And, and who played drums in that? My brother played drums. Randy. Randy, oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and Johnny Winteran? Yes, the original Johnny Winteran. The whole first album is my brother on drums, Randy Joe Hobbs on bass, uh, myself uh, on the other guitar. Wow. Hey, when I did the uh, TV show with John Lennon, I, they didn't name my band either. They said, here we are, John Lennon and et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> I was BTC. Okay. That's <laughs> How's that for a career move? Kind of compare. Okay, well, here... Here's a free idea for your podcast. You should start it out like a, like a Buck Owens and Roy Clark from Hee Haw and say, I'm hanging and I'm banging. And just... There you go. That's a good idea, Al. So I'll tell you what. You, you do a little video for That's for free. I give it to you for free. And you say, I'm hanging. And Vinny will go, I'm banging. And there you go. That'll be the intro for the show. You know, a, right now, how long has it been since you said that, Vinny? I'm banging. Yeah, I'm banging. Come on, long time. I'm always banging. I was going to say, while while we're talking about Vinny, I'd be really <laughs> wrong if I didn't say one of my favorite bands I ever had was the band with Vinny as our drummer. Hey, hey! And Rick was the guy who brought me into the business, and I always think about you and thank you very much. He brought me in. He taught me a hell of a lot, and I always talk about you. I uh, nope. I called Wait, up. A how? I was trying to find Vinny, and I called their mother. Oh. Yeah. And uh, 
she goes, no, you must be trying to get a hold of Carmine. Said, no, I'm not. I'm trying to get in touch with Vinny. And so she turned me on to where he was and where I could find him. And, and uh, the rest was history. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, what's the beginning of history? How did you hear about him in the, the first record place? plant? Uh, yeah, probably at the record plant. Well, yeah. I, I, you know, I also, obviously, Carmine is famous. And uh, I figured if his little brother was uh, anything, he was probably crazier than Carmine. And, and who knows, maybe even better. <laughs> hey, 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 take it easy now. That's, that's what he said. <laughs> that's the way my mind was working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's cool. You, you worked with the little brother. It's interesting because you worked with the little brother first. And then you wound up doing a project with Tim yeah. and Carmine. Yeah, two, we two, yeah, we did two projects, actually. And we went to Japan. We did. And we went to Japan. <laughs> the we played, and we played them. No, we went to we went to Japan with with a rock Carmine and Peace Rock Super Session, Volume One. We had me, Rick, Tom Peterson from Cheap Trick, Eric Carmen on piano. Holy shit! <laughs> Eric Carmen, he was he was always up, had a bit too much to drink, and uh, and Dwayne Hitchings, and we played the Budokan, actually, wow. and we sold out. You know, and we, we played uh, in all the big halls over there, and we did really well. Hey, Rick, thanks, for, thanks for saying that. That's really touching. Yeah. Hey, guys, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Hanging and Banging right here on Artists on Lockdown. Yeah, it really is. Do you think I'm not a touching kind of guy, but that was really touching. You're special. You were that last time you were by me, <laughs> but that's a whole nother. <laughs> um, do you think, you know, you said that at the Budokan, you, you think that's where uh, maybe like Tom first, you know, experienced the Budokan and then, you know, where they did the album later or? No, no, they, they have done the album already. So, so did that? But he was so out. No he connection was out to of, it. I think. No, he was out. He was out of uh, Cheap Trick at the time. Uh, mm. And my manager booked this. I just come out of Rod Stewart. Oh, this and, was later. You know, Rod, Rod was doing six nights at the Budokan. You know, so, and I always had a good following there. BBA played the Budokan. And, and we always had a big following there. So when we went, it was just uh, right out of Rod. And uh, my, my album was coming out then. My first solo album. And uh, it was unbelievable. Like, what a, what a great time we had. I mean, I remember I took two giant, I took all my drums, first of all, but I took two giant trunks of clothes with me. I remember standing at the, at the airport and, and uh, Narita, and these two giant tr trunks come off and my roadies over there running around to try and get it. I don't know if we, I don't know, if, did we all fly there together? I can't remember, Rick, do you remember? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> very vague memories of a certain period. I remember I had, I had to have two rooms because the trunks were so big, they wouldn't fit in the Japanese rooms, which were smaller. So I had to get another room just for the trunks. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a great time. You can imagine me, Rick Derringer, and Tom Peterson playing all by myself. I know. <laughs> right? that, that was the, the killer one. And half the time, Eric... By the time that came around, Eric had a few too many, you know, on the stage. <laughs> well, Rick, you're you're one of the rare. I mean, these guys, you know, I have to tell you, between uh, Carmine and Vinny, the amount of bands and and other and projects they've worked on as drummers, so many people. I mean, it's it's countless. It really, really is. But uh, you're one of the rare guys, I think. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. One of the rare guys has actually have, have done several projects with both of the guys. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. What was the totally? So, what was a, 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 a is there a, a noticeable difference? You, you're with you're with Vinny, and then you were at Carmine. Like, wait a second. Oh, I'll answer for Rick. Um, it was incredible. What played with me, <laughs> Carmine, not I so bet. much. I bet. Um, well, I, Carmine is uh, more dependable in some ways. Oh! Vinny, oh. Vinny is more of a rebel. Um, we actually did okay. the Kings Club in New York City, and in the middle of the set, he hit the bass drum so hard that he got up and pulled the beater out, and he had bent the beater in <laughs> half. 
So he's showing the audience the beater bent in half while the song is still playing. So um, that you know, I never saw Carmine do that. Yeah, but he got that from and, and, <laughs> and we used to play the song Rebel Rebel. Yes, right. we did. Faster, faster. Yeah. It wasn't comedy, Al, but we played it fast. Uh, <clears throat> but it's funnier. It's funnier yeah, that way. Yeah, it was funny. It's yeah. a lot funnier. <laughs> but, well, I, I should, before we get too far gone here, I should say I, I really, really enjoyed working with Al. I'd, I'd go, come out there to Hollywood, and I'd get to feel like I lived there for a few months <laughs> at a time uh, for six albums. And... Um, that's one of the things that I can brag about. I produced Weird Oscar's six albums. Yeah. Uh, but what I don't get to tell people about is it pretty much destroyed my production career. Because <laughs> <laughs> how can you possibly live up to that after that? No, I'd get people come to me and say, you know, we're looking to, to maybe you do our next album. And then they check into, oh, but you produced Weird Al's albums. And I'd go, yeah. They were all successful. They all did great. And they'd go, but you're a novelty producer. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What? I'd, I'd tell them the only novel thing about Al is how hard he works in the studio as compared to all the other artists I've worked with. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Well, did I at least help you get wow. the wrestling album job? <laughs> It did. Yeah. It, it did. You're right. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. I remember we wrestling. Did, we, I did the. I did the wrestling with you. And the but how did them uh, produced? Um, I am a real American, which is one of my biggest songs. Yep. Over yep. The love it, love it, love it, love it. Hulk Hogan's uh, theme song, but that's really two, that's two yours. Two presidents have used it already, and uh, several other politicians have used it <laughs> yep. as well. Uh, so it is more than just a wrestler's theme song. Yeah. <laughs> well, you wrote that song pretty much. That that describes you. I mean, that's that's you. A uh, real American. Well, uh, I had a writing partner that co-wrote it with me, and we really just wanted. To, we had no idea it would be done on a wrestling album. We just wanted to write the most patriotic song ever. And when we finished writing it, we listened to it back. And we actually cried. We said, oh, this thing is fabulous. Is because we thought it was the most patriotic song ever. Wow. So in some ways, even though Hulk Hogan still uses it to this day, it was a little bit of a letdown when we found that it's now a wrestler's theme song. Ah, hey, as long as the uh, residuals keep coming in, right? As long as they keep coming in. Thank you very much. That's right. <laughs> Al, now, I'm sure you, you've been asked the, the question a thousand times. Did, did, did you ever piss anybody off with this? And I, I know your answer has been many, many times you really haven't uh, done done a, a parody that's really pissed anybody off. But have you ever been involved with one and you are got all this freaking makeup or all this stuff going on and in your head you're going, what am I doing? This is not, this one is not good. Has it ever hit you like, like holy crap. <laughs> like, I don't even like this one. <laughs> Yeah, every time I'm on a video shit, I'm my interior interior monologue is this sucks. What am I doing? Why am I here? Al, tell tell them about it's still Billy Joel to me. Oh no! Well, I mean that that was a, that was a song that I wrote when I was in college, like 19, 20 years old, and it was a parody of it's still rock and roll to me. But it was years before a record deal, and it was just sort of like it was kind of mean spirited about Billy Joel because he had just put out the Glass Houses, and everybody was making fun of him for jumping on the new wave bandwagon. So the whole song was about that and taking him apart. And then uh, a tape of that started circulating th through the Dr. Demento show, and and Billy Joel heard it, and they they ha actually had got his reaction on camera listening to it for the first time and he said something to the effect of well i guess people in la don't have anything better to do with their time it didn't like bring him down but he was just sort of like oh, whatever this kid but I, that was the point where i thought like i don't want to like be mean to people i mean I, you know you can be funny without tearing people down right but wasn't he one of the only people that ever refused you no no because because I, I, ne I never sought his permission for that song and I never wanted that <laughs> on the album actually and in fact I, I did get his permission a couple decades after that because they did a, a piano man parody uh, about spider-man and that was done with Billy Joel's full consent and blessing 
Great. Great. <laughs> you know, we do we, we do a thing on here sometimes. They talk about you know some of my uh, the the the, uh, the artist's like favorite uh, album uh, song uh, uh, titles. Uh, but I gotta say that um, it's not it's a song title for you, but uh, Mr. Frump and the Iron Lung is one of my favorite song titles. What is the story of Mr. Frump and the Iron Lung? I wish I had my accordion here. I could give you a full demonstration. But that that how do you not have your accordion? It's, it's, with you? it's in the next room. Come on, I'd have to walk. <laughs> it's it's a But no, it's uh, that was written around the sound the that the air button on an accordion makes. Because like when you when you're using the accordion and you end a song and the bellows are outstretched, you can't just like mush the accordion together because that makes a loud noise. You have to press the air button. It's a nice, quiet, elegant way to close the bellows on the accordion. It's a release. Yeah, it's a release. And, and a friend of mine in college, when I was using the air button, he said, oh, what is that, an iron lung? I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a song. <laughs> so I, I wrote the whole song based around the sound that that air button makes. <laughs> but what's Mr. Frump? Mr. Frump was just uh, a figment of my imagination. I don't know where the name Frump came from. It just, I, I was 16, 17 years old at the time, so I don't know. Well, it just sounds, it sounds yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good funny name. Name. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, a lot of people, I don't know if you realize just what a baseball fan you are, Rick. What a baseball fan? Yeah. I mean, the project you did with Tom Seaver, who we just lost, unfortunately, but um, some of the things that uh, the songs you did, uh, you did a version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which I can't think of. Was it a real rock and roll version? That's the first silence I've heard in the show. <laughs> I know. You don't remember this? No. You did it with Tom Seaver. You did. Take He's done so much. Game. Come on. Yeah, that's right. He's I forgotten. can't even remember it all now. Well, trust me. It I was wonderful. That I <laughs> no, Ron, that was Vinny. That was oh, Vinny. that was Vinny. Okay. <laughs> I have even more silence for it again. Vinny's a, a big oh, baseball yeah. fan. I have an idea for a Weird Al album, and I'm not going to yes. tell anybody now because oh, what good Al, is it that? Al would go ahead and do it without me. And <laughs> otherwise, oh. otherwise, one of you guys would go ahead and do it instead of me. So I'm going to wait till Al and I can speak in private at some point. Okay. I have a great idea. Well, we, <laughs> and you guys. We look forward to hearing about hear it. it. Oh, man. Yeah, Al, you know, I, I, I was starting to talk about, you know, nobody's actually said no to and all that stuff. But I can't imagine. I mean, did the Amish people, we did Amish Paradise. How did that mean? What was that response? Well, you know, the, the Amish people historically aren't big MTV watchers. <laughs> so I, I'm not really sure if they are not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine some, through some yeah, grapevine they heard about. They, it they might have uh, during Rum Spring. They might have might have heard it, uh, but no. I mean, I've never had any kind of Amish backlash. Let's say <laughs> that's a great I, song I, name right I, I there. I was never canceled by the Amish. <laughs> Come on, that's a great song, Amish backlash. Yeah. Maybe that's a yeah, band that, name. That sounds. That sounds like a uh, album. Is that the right album, my dear Rick? The album. Oh. I always you know, Rick, enjoyed uh, the uh, polka parodies. The oh, polka. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me too. Always fun. It, it's amazing how you made polkas cool again, Al. I mean, you just did. Well, you know, it, it was, uh, I just thought that the juxtaposition of polka music and, and popular rock music, uh, I thought there was kind of some kind of humor to be gleaned from that. And I mean, every, it came from when I was a teenager trying to get uh, people to be in my, my uh, high school band. And uh, nobody wanted to play with me because they said, everything, everything you play with an accordion sounds like polka music. We want to play with you. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to start I, being the polka rock guy. <laughs> I got a question for Vinny. When was the last time you played a polka, Vin? I played poker, uh, five cards, seven cards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Al, is that your real last name? Is what my real last name? Yankovic. Oh. <laughs> Not weird. Yeah, Yankovic. Yeah, really? it is. Yes, it, it is. is. Yeah, and pe people assume that I'm related to Frankie Yankovic, the polka king. It was like, you know, oh, that's one right. of the most famous that's accordion players and from the mid. People assumed I, I grew up in Cleveland because Frankie was from Cleveland. Wow. And uh, as far as we could tell, no direct relation. I 
and met Frankie uh, a, a couple times. I, I had him on a, a Grammy special that I did like in the late eighties. Oh. Uh, very cool guy. He, he was on my Christmas card list wreck as well. Frankie Yankovic. Uh, <laughs> wow. uh, Who was that? P- passed away a couple decades ago, but he was uh, he was an amazing guy. Was Dick Cantino on your Christmas? I, I I played with Dick Cantino Cantino on stage. Uh, he never made it that far. He did. He did. He did. I never had his email address. <laughs> Ah. But I got to play with Dick Cantino and Drew Carey and those darn accordions on, I think it was an American Music Awards or some kind of big show. And Drew Carey, of course, another big polka aficionado from Cleveland, wanted to like support yeah. the accordion. So he had all every accordion player he knew on stage at the same time. <laughs> That's great. Well, well that, Al, you now have my email and Vinny's yeah. email and Ron's email. There we go. So. I'm expecting. I'm expecting a hey, Christmas some card. Sort of You're cool there. Card. And, and you know what, okay. Al? You know, you're a big star and everything, but we really didn't want to have you on the show until we found out about Mary Elizabeth Vivalda. Is is this like the baseball thing? <laughs> yeah, Mary Elizabeth Vivalda. Who's that? Oh, oh, Vivalda. So, my uh, my mother. Vivalda. Oh, yes, oh, oh. Vivalda. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that yes, one. Yes. <laughs> And now you can get into my uh, my uh, bank account and get my, know my mother's maiden name. <laughs> no, the fact is you're Italian. What about what now? That's good. You've got Italian My social roots. security number, 429. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm one quarter Italian. My my grandfather uh, uh, on my mother's side uh, emigrated from, from Italy. So, yeah. See, that's right, a big, you got to understand it's a big deal okay. about myself. Yeah, yeah. Every like we found out Eddie Trunk was Italian. Yeah. Well, Trunk's a good Italian name. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because what you're putting. Al, Al, what bank is that? Well, (laughs) Cracker Bank, of course. (laughs) Al, did you ever uh, know? I'm I'm sure you did. That Rush Limbaugh used Spatula City regularly on his show. I, 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 I didn't listen to the show, but my aunt, my aunt Dot, uh, uh, listened to the show for years, and I was told that I was a regular part uh, of the show through, oh. through, through Spatula City, which I don't think he ever credited me for. He just played it like a real commercial. Uh, yeah, that, that's actually right. It, it would just be part of his in-between. Um, uh, if you listen to Rush.com, uh, where the commercials would be on the radio, he would have this, his own little show that he would run for three minutes or five minutes, whatever it was. And one of the things that was part of that little show was the whole, the whole entire Bachelor City. <laughs> and I always loved it. Yeah, this is cool, man. I, I remember when we were shooting that, that that's from the, the UHF soundtrack and, and it's in the movie UHF. And we, we didn't do CGI back then because this was like in the 80s. So we had a we had an actual billboard for Spatula City, and we, we shot it in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But we actually had the billboard, and they didn't take it down after we were done shooting. So there was a spa- billboard for Spatula City off the freeway in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for like an entire year. People would be driving by Spatula City. <laughs> Next exit. What's that? <clears throat> so it's a culinary experience, yeah. apparently. Rick, you know, back in back in the day again, who is that? You, you know, you got a good head on your shoulders there, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful co-writer wife, Jenda. There's Jenda. Hi, everyone. Uh, Did I hear uh, Al? I I miss seeing you. Last time it was great. Did you have an aunt Dot? I yes, I had an aunt Dot. Me too. I have an aunt Dot. Oh, the same one. The same one. <laughs> Wow, are we related? Wow, we are. And my um, my uh, granddad's twin brother, identical, was Albert Hall. So he was in two Beatles songs. Nice, Albert Hall. Yeah. Oh, Albert. <laughs> so we're I've got an Uncle Albert Dash. Hall. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> this is a funny. This is a funny show. I would I just like go by it. Al Hall in that case. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Al Hall. Weird Al Hall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, I'm speaking home. of weird. I'm still home Spe- right now, but I'll be Derringer next week after 24 years together. You know, that's funny. Wow. Uh, I was married um, two other times, and the first one, after we divorced, kept the name Derringer, and even though she got remarried, kept the name Derringer. And the second one, kept the name Derringer after she was remarried, too. So this is the first wife I've ever had that we've been together uh, 20 years. 
24 years, and she didn't take the name Derringer. Because I'm not <laughs> bride him, you know, and that's really blow to the balls to keep the ex-husband's name when you get remarried. To the next well, guy, you know, that's not nice either. And I just didn't want to use the name Derringer because I want him to know I love him for him. Oh, my goodness. Well, isn't your name? Now, you were on an album cover, weren't well, you? Yeah. Isn't it Sarah? Isn't it well, you know, talking about talking about X Y talking about X Y's with the name? I got about five of them running around L A with my last name. They all use uh -huh. it. <laughs> it's interesting how a sentence. Uh, it, it it just it's just interesting how a sentence starts when you start a sentence with, um, you know, this is the first one of my wives that, you know, it's just kind of an interesting. <laughs> well, this one right here saved my life. Frankly, God bless her. God I was, bless her. Toward the end of my tenure with Al, I was on a trajectory that wasn't good. It was a downward spiral that usually ends in people's dying. And uh, yeah. when I met Jenda, she really saved my life because she showed me there's another way you can live, and it doesn't require drinking, and it doesn't require drugs, and you don't need to be a Catholic to be a Christian, and um, it saved my life. So here I am, a Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus freak. Amen. A self-proclaimed Jesus freak. God kept That's telling right. me to go to him and give him a message, and I wouldn't do it and wouldn't do it. And my heart kept pounding for like weeks. So finally I told a friend of mine, she had some mudslides left from New Year's Eve. And she said, come over for a mudslide. And she'd never done that. We've been neighbors for years on the water. And um, we... We were I sh actually I sold her some houses and she sold me some houses and anyway it all slid out with a mudslide. I said, well, I met Rick Derringer a few months ago and he wants me to talk to him and she said you got to go to him. <coughs> so I had to go to his next show from Sarasota to Fort Lauderdale and then I gave him a message. I never tell anybody this. I gave him a message and I said I have no idea what this means, but whatever. It Hey, you're getting, you're telling a lot of people yeah. this now. Millions. The right thing said. Yeah. Millions. Millions of people are gonna hear this. Let her say it. I think I had no idea what this means, but whatever it is, you're doing the right thing. I drove all the way in the pouring rain to tell you this. And that was continue being divorced from that second wife. <laughs> I thought my message was over and I could leave and finally stop having my heart attack, but uh. we end up together forever. Jenda, weren't you on a, an, an album cover or a poster or something? A lot of them. Many of them. Like, yeah, Derringer Times 2, We Live, Aiming for Heaven, um, Free Ride. You're talking about Free Ride. This free Ride, this Free Ride, yes. All for the hot and cool smooth jazz CD. Yeah, we wrote a smooth jazz hit together. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, really, it's Derringer Smooth Jazz. Yeah. It's like Derringer Yankovic. You just don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Rick, your last name's Zeringer, right? It's with a Z. With a Z yeah. Zeringer. 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 And uh, Zeringer. when I was with Bang Records, which was uh, the first label, hang on, Sloopy, there's a little picture of a Derringer. And for some reason, Zeringer as a name, people could never pronounce it. They could never remember it, even though it's not that different from Derringer. Yeah. But I saw that little Derringer gun, and I had this dream where the Z just dropped away, <laughs> and my middle initial D, which is my middle initial, moved over in its place, and I became Derringer. Hey, huh. easy. A little, a little gun, a little, a little firecracker gun. That's us. Mm -hmm. That's you. The rest is yeah. history. Oh, that's cool. The, the rest, rest is history. history. So, Al, you know, I know, I also know that you never got a chance to work with Prince, and obviously it's probably going to be a little different, difficult now. But <laughs> yeah, I think did, so. <laughs> yeah. Not for Al. Maybe no, Al can do it. I'm sorry. Not for Nobody Al. else can. But uh, can you tell us what uh, what an idea of a Prince song that you Oh, God, you know, I, I had like a half a dozen ideas. Uh, you know, I, I would approach him every couple of years with an idea to see if he developed a sense of humor. And it just kind of never, <laughs> never, never really did. happened. I mean, one. He's a very, he's a very shy kind of guy. <laughs> well, in a, in a way, he. Because Michael Jackson isn't. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, he was a, the prince was very shy until he hit the yeah. stage. Yeah. No, he he was a, he was yeah, an odd duck. He, uh, the, yeah, he was a yeah. the the uh, boy. There, I, uh, actually, there was supposed to be a, a prince song uh, in uh, in my movie UHF. Uh, we wound up doing it with uh, Dire Straits' "Money for Nothing," but it was originally going to be "Let's Go Crazy." Using the lyrics of the Beverly Hillbillies—that was the original, <laughs> originally in the script. Oh, wow. And and there was also I had all sorts of ideas. There was one uh, for for 1999. It was going to be like a Mr. Popeil kind of commercial, like a late night commercial, like all the things you can get for just 1999, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's a good uh, one. But I I had a bunch I had a bunch of ideas, and he just he just never was into it. He's like the only guy. So what do we have uh, now? It's good by the time 2022 rolls around, it'll be is it. Two years since you have toured. Yeah, we we did we or, did the uh, the the uh, ill-advised vanity tour in 2018, and then 2019 we did an orchestral tour. I toured the country with like a full-on orchestra, which was crazy. Wow. And then last year was nothing, obviously, and this year looks to be nothing. And then yeah, so it'll it will have been three years since the previous tour. So will you have a, a how much of your show will be comprised of uh, of new material? Um, don't know. I mean, I, I'm not do, doing a lot of new material right now. I, I thought that once I I fulfilled my album contract, I'd feel a lot more free and more creative. And instead, uh, like like Rick, I, I'm finding out that doing nothing is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. There there well, the, there might be some new material, but it's mostly going to be pulling from the back catalog. I think. When you uh, go into Seven Eleven, you go into the grocery store. I mean, do you ever find that you have to put on the, the the the, the rubber nose and the black glasses and a baseball hat? Do you have to well, do that, that. That doesn't work because if I do that, people go, "Oh, look, it's Al with a rubber nose." You know. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, I live in Los Angeles, where people don't flip out at you for like you yeah. know they, they're sort of used to seeing semi-famous people in the street and other grocery stores. So it's not it's not like I have to like you know monitor my garbage and make sure that nobody's stealing it at night. I mean, people don't. If, sometimes on the road, if I'm in, in pockets of the country where they don't see celebrities that often, then it becomes more of a more of a thing. But LA, it's really not not critical. I wore the rubber nose yeah, with the you. mustache and everything. People thought I was Carmine in the grocery. Oh, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> this is what we go through every week. You know, Rick. Uh, I've, I, again, I've been I've been blessed myself uh, here at the Arcata Theater in St. Charles to have you perform on our stage in several incarnations and packages and, and doing your show. But I gotta say, what uh, is the warmest? I guess or sweetest or just I, I really love when you're here with Edgar. Uh, you've got this relationship. Yeah, I was gonna say Edgar. Yeah, you're right. You guessed it, Carm, because it's it. Yeah. You know, we all know just what a an amazingly wonderful individual Ed, Edgar is. But yes. to see you guys together, Rick, and you can see that you've got the history and you've got the connection. Yeah, well, I, I loved Edgar. I loved Johnny. Um, sure. Johnny just, he hated the saxophone. <laughs> he, <did. laughs> he just hated the saxophone. Um, so they didn't always get along musically like you think they would. But Johnny certainly uh, was an individual like no other, and Edgar equally is an individual yes. like no other no other he really yeah. is one of the sweetest guys and you guys you know again I, I just we just appreciate so much what you guys have given us i mean i don't even think i think to myself you know, i'm on the other side of the coin you know i put on the shows and, and bring you guys in and and i look at you guys all four of you guys actually and jenna too <laughs> uh, and and I, and I and i marvel i mean i'm not blowing smoke up your guys skirt here i marvel at the creativity and the products that you've given us and the lives you've guys have touched and i can't does it ever hit you guys at all like wait a second like i was a drummer in black sabbath you know i'm i'm i've done this and i've done that it's just amazing to me has it ever hit any one of you i was at a table one night having dinner on the road with a show where there were six or eight really famous guitar players there. And we were all sitting at this dinner table and it just dawned on me. I said, you know, the, the six or eight of us, however many there were, I said, we are just blessed. We are blessed like no other guitar people can play their whole lives and never get the opportunities or the skill that we all have. And it just came from God. It's something we can't claim it necessarily as ours. We didn't have any special desire or, well, desire we had, but 
we didn't work as hard as a lot of people. It just came to us because we were blessed by God with that ability. And it's amazing. I, I told them that, and they all agreed. Yeah. You know the way to explain it. Yeah. It's well, true. you know what? You guys are blessed with talent, and we as fans are blessed with you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on Hanging and Banging this week, where every Thursday night we talk to some of the biggest people, rock and roll entertainment, with my brothers, Vinny and Carmine. We'll see you guys next week. Don't forget, you got to smash that like button, smash that share button. You'll see us on Spotify, on, on iHeartRadio, on our YouTube page. Share it. Get it out there because we are at our 46th episode coming wow. up to 52, our one-year anniversary. we, we got to do something. I can't make the 52. 52nd I don't know what one. we're going to do. <laughs> I think I'm we out have of town. 52 guests I'm out of town. Let's just have quick, like quick vignettes from 52 guests. I mean, yeah. Al and Rick, I'm sure would love to be a part of it. Oh, <laughs> all right, guys, all the best to you, yeah, Al. Thanks, really, Al. thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Al, thank Good to see you guys. We'll see you next Great week. Artists on lockdown, yeah. hanging and banging. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Talk to you later, guys. Bye bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.